Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Okay. All right. I hit the button on Squadcast, I might add. I hit the button. It's recording, and I can't wait to introduce my guest to you all today. And it's kind of cool because she is related to the tool that we're recording this podcast on. But let me tell you about her. She has a passion for podcasting probably even more than I do because she is constantly in the podcast community. She's a thought leader. Um, she's into marketing, community management, production, podcast marketing as well. Apparently listening to over 40 hours of content per week, spoken at all the conferences, all the ones you can think of. She's been there all across the world, founded Podcast Taxonomy, part of the Earbuds Podcast Collective, host of the Feedback with Earbuds podcast, head of community and content at Squadcast. Ariel Nissenblatt, welcome to the show. What an intro. Thank you. Yeah. I, like I said, your intro went across two pages. So I need you to do a little <laughs> less. Take a deep breath. You know, I'll take it down a notch. <laughs> How do you do all the things? Um, You know, people ask me that and they're like, do you sleep? And I, yeah, I do sleep. I sleep pretty well. I think that it is undiagnosed ADHD. So I am really inefficient and then I'm extremely efficient. Yes. Actually, weirdly, from like 11.50 p.m. to 1 a.m., I am really good at getting things done. And I just do that. <laughs> totally. It's a dangerous habit to get into, especially if you have to get up early. But it's like, but but I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. It feels good at night. Like, I love working at night. Yes. And usually no one's there to bother you either. So it's like exactly focus time. Well, hey, I'd love to start the show off by just diving into this question I'm dying to ask you, which is to pull back the curtain for us on your shows and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. I work with a lot of podcasters at a lot of different stages. I produce podcasts at different levels. So some shows I produce chat shows. Um, some shows I produce asynchronous interviews. And I think that the most important thing when you are building a show is to build marketing into every aspect of your production. So of course, content is important. Of course, the quality of the questions is important. Of course, treating your guests like gold is important. But ultimately, if you actually want to grow your show beyond your friends and family and maybe 10 listeners, you have to make sure that you are building marketing into every step of the content creation process. Wow. It's like, it's not enough just to have it. No, unfortunately you wish 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe, you know, you could stand out by just having a pretty good show that you made and it, maybe it was the only, or it was one of the top in its category. But now, even if you are making a really great show and your audio quality is on point and your guests are great and even your keywords are on point, there's probably another show just like that. So your show <laughs> Really needs to do a good job standing out somehow. Okay. So there are, I think the last stat I saw was like two or three million podcasts. There's, there's quite a few out there. Is that what you've seen the numbers? I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. Right? It's like three or four million. Or three or four it's now. A lot. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot. 
I mean, it depends. It depends where you're looking. Spotify reports like 3.5. Listen Notes reports another number. Well, since you're Squadcast, we'll just take whatever you say is like gospel. Okay. So how many how many are there in the world to the in round to the nearest ten? Okay, Um, three million five hundred thousand forty eight. Okay, so we're going to put that in like a press release. I like that you're writing that down. And we'll quote you on it and everything. Perfect. So you've heard it here now, everyone. This is the exact number of podcasts on the planet. But okay, so there's so many of them out there. It's not enough just to launch it. You have to differentiate yourself. This brings marketing into the podcasting world. Are we all just so focused on creating that we're not really thinking about the audience? Or A lot of people are. Um, You know, I meet a lot of people who are graduating from college or recent college grads. And a lot of them want to get into the podcast space. They want to produce, they want to report, they want to do script writing. And they're like, where do I look? How do I find a job? I feel like I'm making it to the last round of interviews, but I'm not making it any further. And my advice for them is look for a job more on the business side of things, and then just make sure that the company knows that you are also interested in eventually getting into production. Maybe you can help out with production. But if you know how to market a show as well as make that show sound beautiful, you are so much more hireable. Because I'm, I'm not going to say anybody can make a great show. You know, Anybody can try to make a great show. <laughs> but say you have all the skills. You know how to set up the microphones. You know how far to be from the microphone. You know that it's, you know, all the microphone <laughs> techniques. You know how to write for the ear. You know how to really keep your listener engaged. You know how to sound design. You know how to choose the right music for the right tone. You've got all of that under control. Your product is amazing. But you don't know the basics of marketing a podcast, then you're dead in the water. And you mentioned... You mentioned a bunch of different things in there. And I think uh, that entire list, you probably lost every, everyone. We're all like, oh, dear God, I don't know how to write for the ear. Oh, dear God. I don't have to do this. I do that. But back to your original point, it sounds like there's time to learn that, but we need to prioritize the marketing side. And is, it, is it from the get-go? or? I think yeah? so. I think when you are building... So, I mean, one simple thing you can do is... Instead of, uh, I mean, let's backtrack. I think you should be creating a podcast for an audience that you know exists rather than starting from an idea that you have. So it's one thing to come up with an idea for a podcast and then go out and find an audience for that podcast. Hope, cross your fingers that that audience exists. It's another thing to identify the audience, think about what they want, put yourself in their shoes, and then make content specifically for them. You're already going to have an audience built in. And then you'll already know what they want to hear about because in theory, you've put yourself in their shoes. You've asked the questions. Maybe you've run surveys. Maybe you are in contact with them via a newsletter and then you can ask them, if I were to make a podcast, what would that sound like? How long would it be? You can run a survey. You can find out what their ideal episode length is. And then you can find out who they want on the show. You can find out what topics they want to hear. You will never run out of what content you should be producing for them. It's, it's like starting with the end in mind. It's starting with the audience in mind. And I, I got to imagine. First what's that? Production approach. It's a community first production approach. Snap. Community first versus, I mean, you, you mentioned this a little bit rather than just making a show. Are we leaning too much in that sort of creative artist side where we're sort of creating it for the sake of creating it? And then we're hoping that we'll find an audience afterward. 
I mean, I think to a certain extent you can do that if you just want to have fun, if you're not too worried about growing your audience. Like you should not be discouraged from, oh, wow, I just had this really great idea and I want to make a show about it. And uh, that's just what I want to do. But if you're then sitting there wondering why it's not growing, you have your answer. You made it because you wanted to make it. You didn't make it with, with an audience in mind, with marketing in mind. Cool. I'm in. Like I'm down. I always say, <laughs> I always say, you know, buddy chat shows are fine. Go have fun. Sit down with a microphone with your friends. Talk some issues out. Talk about the world, you know, have some opposing viewpoints. That's fun. But then if you're going on social media and you're wondering why you don't have tens of thousands of downloads per episode, it's because buddy casts are a dime a dozen. And everybody thinks that their viewpoint is so original and everybody needs to hear what they have to say. But if everybody has a podcast like that, then who is listening to those podcasts? <laughs> right. You know, I get the sense that you tell it the way it is. Oh, thank you for noticing. I don't get the sense <laughs> I've gotten in trouble. That you're like, okay, nice podcast idea. It's like that's a terrible well, I, I have uh <laughs> I have told people and I'm nice about it, but I will say this is not gonna work because of X, Y, and Z. Tell me about that. What are, what are the times that that yeah. you see that you've seen, you know, without necessarily naming the poor souls that sure. you probably yeah, may no, cry. I, 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 mean, I can feelings. put that in the intro. Like she makes podcasters cry. Um, <laughs> I, I should do that. <laughs> what What are the situations you've seen like that where you just, you saw it and you're yeah. like, no, it's not going to work. Got to change it. It's never, no, that's not going to work. Okay. It's more, let's reframe. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, let's yeah. look at this. You have the, the idea is there, but let's make sure that it's actually going to stand out. I was talking with um, a production duo, I want to say two months ago, they had an idea that was very personal. It was a family story. Uh, a tragedy happened in their family. And the story was really compelling. The story was tough. It was it was not easy to hear by the way that they wrote, wrote into me and said, I want to make a show about this. And I said, okay, great. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Let's approach it with kindness. Let's approach it with sensitivity. Let's tell your story for the sake of the people who need to hear it. It was, uh, it was about, you know, just tough family situations sure. and telling the story is good for them to get that off their chest, to have, uh, to have it memorialized, but then also because it might help somebody else in need who might be going through something similar. But the approach to the show was just again, run of the mill. It just sounded like another show that I'd heard. And it, this was a unique concept. So my advice to them was, you know, this is the two of you, you are chatting about a story that happened to your family Instead of just interviewing other people about grief and loss because you went through grief and loss, what if instead you interviewed each other about your own grief and loss to start off the show and you use that as a foundation for what to do going forward? So maybe you can tell the story of the grief that or the loss that you've suffered and the grief that it's caused, but do it a little bit with a little bit more substance than just, hey, we're here to chat about the grief and loss that we've experienced. <laughs> so that's essentially what the what the show sounded like at the time that I saw it. And um, a lot of people talk about grief and loss. And a lot of people sit down for a chat like this, and they don't necessarily add sound design. They don't necessarily add narration. But adding sound design, adding narration makes the show that much more compelling. Again, it is so easy to plop a microphone between two people, to plop two microphones between two people and press play and hope for the best, but, you know, really pulling questions out of somebody, you can tell a listener can tell when there is genuine thought that goes into something. Yeah. The listeners can tell 
they, they can tell all things. <laughs> Are you disinterested? Is, is this boring? Did you put effort? We need into to it? hear from you though. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, a, that's another thing is like often I hear podcasters begging for feedback, whether it's negative, positive, you know, even just like, let me know that you're there. <laughs> I think that's a really big thing that, that independent creators, even up to creators with huge budgets and networks behind them, they struggle with is, Hey, I'd love to hear from you. Will you do what I say? Like, t- do my call to action. Even if that call to action is like leaving me a star rating. Like, all you are listening on Apple Podcasts right now. All you have to do is hit the star. Like, scroll down a little bit. You'll see the star. Hit the star. Take a screenshot that you did that. Post it on social. And I will promote you to the world. I'll be so excited that you took part in my podcast journey. Um, it's really hard for people to get to hear from their listeners. And yeah, that's definitely a number one complaint. One of the number one complaints that I hear of. Why do you suppose that is? Because I've seen that too. I mean, getting people to jump through hoops is one thing, but even just like to reach out, let me know who you are. Because you see all those- You say jump through hoops because you're the ringmaster? Well, I guess that'd be allowed then, right? I mean, I'm like, (laughs) but lions and tigers should jump through hoops, not necessarily listeners, right? Right. Yeah. They shouldn't have to do too much. Right. They Mm -hmm. can just sit there and eat popcorn. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's difficult to get people to take action because often they are doing other things while they're listening to your show, you know? So they are driving, they're washing the dishes, they're cleaning, they're exercising. And it could be that your show is just not one that lends itself to pausing, doing the action, and letting the host know that you did that action. It might not be necessary, and that could be a good thing. It could mean that they are so engaged with what they're doing and with your with your with your show that they don't necessarily feel like they need to take the time to do your call to action. I think when you do have a call to action, it should be a very important one. And you really need to make it clear to the listener why you need them to do this thing right here, right now. Appeal to them. And I also think a mistake that people make is using the same call to action every single episode, which is like, hey, if you like the show, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I have heard that 50 times every single day. Why am I going to do it? Why? Tell me why. Yeah, and you've heard 40 <laughs> why hours each week and you've probably heard that phrase like 3,000 times. Even just find a cutesy way of saying it. Hey, if you really like this show, it would really be awesome if you – do you like stars? Like go press the star. Choose how many stars you like. I would like it if you uh, chose five stars. Five stars is the best. But, you know, like even though that was dumb, like that, that was just off the top of my head something – something that was changing it up a little bit from the way that you usually hear it. And it might just shock people into being like, okay, that's not the run of the mill call to action that I always hear about leaving ratings and reviews. Therefore I am going to reward her and give a, give a rating and review. That's cool. (laughs) By the way, listeners, if this is working for you and you want to prove that this is working for you, leave a rating and review for this show right now. And I don't know, type my name into it so that we know it came from this. Yeah. Like, like all the guests were shit until this guest, something like that. That's right. None of the guests. (laughs) None of the guests made us leave a review until now. <laughs> I do. I totally get the, the change up a little bit. I think even on like a YouTube YouTube channel spree, you'd get a lot of that like, like and subscribe and don't forget to hit the bell so you get notified when my new episode. You know, I like, know. You have to change it up. Yeah. I write for our Squadcast YouTube channel. Oh, cool. And I always change the calls to action. Um, I always change. So right, you know, we have our cold open and then we go into the hey, are you subscribed to our YouTube channel? If you're not, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss a video. We always try to change that up at least a little bit so that you don't just skip through it. Because if you know what to expect, when to expect it, you're going to skip right on through it. 
I have an idea, a suggestion. I've always wanted this to be used a lot, which is like tickle that subscribe button because it just sounds a little weird <laughs> and cringy, but it's weird enough. Just yeah. be enough. You're not, no, smash that subscribe. No, it's like tickle. No, smashes. I'm not into smash. Tickle that subscribe button. You're like, that's really weird. I don't know if I want to tickle. Tap on it. <laughs> tap on it. Give it a little tap. Give it a little tapsy tap. Yeah. Nudge. Yeah, a little nudge. <laughs> um, okay, so things can go wrong. Things can go right. Marketing from the drop. Where do I start? What's my mentality? How do I get that community first podcast? Yeah. Well, step one. Think about step one. Step one. Okay. So if you are starting out your show and you're wondering, um, how do I go about creating a community first podcast? I would think about who the community is that you would like to serve. Who are you already serving maybe in other ways? So maybe you have a newsletter, maybe you have a social presence, maybe you work for a company and your role is community manager and you are working. So that's me. And you are right. working with a community of creators. Think about who the community is. What are their pain points? You can ask yourself, you know, you can put yourself in their shoes or you can literally ask them. You can like I said, make a survey, ask on social media, ask lookalike audiences, find out what they're looking for, find out why they're looking for that, find out why that should be a podcast, or maybe it serves itself better to be a YouTube channel or a blog or man on the street interviews that you post on TikTok. You never know until you ask. Uh, say you decide that it's going to be a podcast and it's going to be um, 30 minute episodes. It's going to be an interview show, but you are going to weave into it some narration at the top and at the bottom. And you're going to make sure to have key takeaways at the end of the show so that after listeners are through with your episode, they know what to do from there. So say you are a podcast and you're serving a community of creators. You want to make sure that at the end of every episode, you're saying, hey, listeners, here are the top three things that we discuss in this episode and what you can do with them. Wouldn't you love that? And then you can easily turn that into a blog post, right? So, and then you can easily turn that into a LinkedIn article, easily turn that into a Twitter post, e anything, you know? So um, if you've already got all of that ready to go, the first thing that you want to do is think about, I'm, I'm going to, you know what? There's no real, there's no real order for things. I will just share as they come to my brain. Yeah. Are you ready? That's good. Because that makes me think like, maybe I've asked you a question you haven't been asked like 3000 times before. <laughs> yeah. I or mean, I'll, truly I'll, like- We'll get there. <laughs> yes. I mean, we will get to all of the things. I just, uh, I'm not a, my brain is very much like a, okay, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's talk about it. So totally. the first thing that you want to do is make sure that you have podcast friends ahead of time. And what I mean by that is the best way to grow your show is to get it in front of an audience that already exists that might convert to becoming your audience. Okay. So I usually suggest that people make a list of, I say 50 to 75 shows in your general topic area or that fit your tone or that you would just love to get in front of. Some of those shows should be smaller than you. Some of those shows should be around your size and some of those shows should be bigger. And then you should go about finding contact information for them, listening to them. It's going to take a while, but it is worth it. And of course, 75 is a lot. So you can maybe pare this down to 25, up to you. Um, you want to listen to those shows. You want to find out what types of opportunities are on those shows. You want to know what's happening in those shows so that you can figure out how you can plug in. So do they take guests? Can they be a guest on your show? Do they do regular promo swaps? If they don't do regular promo swaps, can you suggest doing a promo swap? Do they do feed swaps? Do they do feed drops? Can you do a social media swap? Can you do guest blogging on each other's sites? There are so many potential ways for you to plug in. 
So I recommend doing that, (laughs) having those podcast friends, setting up some phone calls. Again, this takes time. This is why you want to build marketing into every step of what you're doing and do it before you have your first episode out. And set up 15-minute phone calls with these people. These are going to be your podcast friends. And once you establish a connection with these people and you realize that our audiences have some overlap, you might be able to create a recurring segment on each other's show where you show up on their show once a month, they show up on your show once a month, you're trading expertise with each other. And therefore, you're going to bring some of their audience over to you and some of their audience opposite. (laughs) You're going to bring people to them, they're going to bring people to you. I like it. Podcast friends. Mm -hmm. I can imagine even if you had 10 of those people, That'd yeah. be fantastic. So you know, to, the reason I say seventy five is because it's good to cast a wide net. But yeah, yeah, totally. Ultimately, you can drill down. You can drill down. And some people are going to ignore you, and some people are going to be cool, and then you'll get that nice spread. But like fifty to seventy five, you're really hustling at that point. And you're going to get you, you. You can't not get traction unless you're a jerk. I guess. I mean. Yeah, and and how to not be a jerk one hundred and one is make sure you listen to their show first, so that you're not just hitting them with an ask that, that, that shows that you don't care at all. So I get pitches all the time that are like, hello, sir or ma'am, <laughs> would you like to have me on your podcast? And I'm like, I don't take guests. And you would have known that if you listened for three seconds. It reminds me, the local chamber of commerce here has me down as like Miss, Ms. Ms. Cheshire. That makes sense. It's like, <laughs> I could correct them, but I kind of like knowing that if I ever see that anywhere else, I know exactly where they got the data from. You know, it's like, aha. I do. I did see a tweet the other day that was like, I actually like this cold email approach. And the it was a screenshot of a cold email that was like, hi, first name, dot, dot, dot. Just kidding. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Oh, nice. <laughs> and then it was still a cold email, but they had their first name. At least they were fun about it. Yeah. They still got blocked, but. It was fun in the moment. Right. But at least it got a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay. So you, you get friends. So you're not on an island by yourself. Um, you get a little bit of, I mean, even one other podcaster sharing, you can get some cross traffic perhaps. Tell me about the, I mean, I, I wonder about the like swapping podcasts or sharing a feed or being on each other's show. It can get kind of transactional. And then I don't know, maybe I'm just like, touchy feely relationship guy. But you know, when you're like, yo, let's swap, let's swap spots. It's like, I don't really care. Maybe that's, it ties back into you like listen first, but you know, I I don't know. It seems kind of like I'm just trying to promote my show. You're trying to promote your show. I don't know. So you're hoping that the relationship grows a little bit more. Is that Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that there is one. (laughs) Yeah. I hope there is one too. I mean, I'll tell you this. I am launching a show. Currently, I'm in launch mode for a show called Trailer Park, the podcast trailer podcast. And it's really cute. The artwork has a trailer on it. It's all, you know, it's using like Americana iconography to say the word trail. It's really cute. Like I work really hard on the visual assets because visual assets portray a lot about what to expect within the show. I can go into that another time. Um, And it sounds really great. And ahead of the launch of Trailer Park, the podcast trailer podcast, we launched three trailers for the show because we're really playing around with the concept of trailers. Eventually, when the show launches, it's going to feature one trailer per episode. And then my co-host and I will talk about that trailer, say what we liked, say why we selected it, hear a little bit from the creator of the trailer, why they approached it the way they did and what they're looking for out of this trailer. Because sometimes maybe it's for a show that already exists. Maybe it's for a show that is seeking funding. Maybe it's for a show that was made just for fun and they're a creator on other projects and you can follow them elsewhere. 
But the fun part about this is that I get to test all of my launch theories, you know? Mm. So ahead of time, I am doing a lot of work on social media, even though I am a huge advocate for the fact that social media is not the best converter of um, scrollers to listeners, but I've actually been having a lot of success there. I have also set up a lot of promo swaps ahead of time with friends in the podcast industry who have podcasts about podcasts or podcasts about creativity or podcasts about movie trailers. There, there I go with the tones and the podcast friends, yeah. right? I'm reaching out to my podcast friends and the show has not launched yet. Like I said, three teasers are out. Altogether, it's five minutes of listening. If you go to Trailer Park, the podcast trailer podcast, you'll see that I have a 34-second teaser. It's me saying, hey, this is a placeholder. Subscribe to this feed. In a few days, you're going to get a trailer. About a week later, I launched the first trailer, which was about a minute of me and my co-host talking about what to expect from the show. And then the next day, I launched a longer trailer. I guess we can call it a teaser or a pilot or whatever. And that was three minutes of essentially the trailer, but a little bit longer. And then we dissected our own trailer a little bit. So extremely meta. But the goal of the show is to help you find a new favorite podcast or to help you become a better trailer creator or to help get projects funded, right? So we were very clear about what our aims were. And once we had these three trailers out, I reached out to a whole list that I had of podcasts about podcasts. And I said, I'd love to collaborate with you in some way. What availabilities do you have? And if I knew them on a more personal basis or if I knew what their shows were about, I would say, you know, Hey, Danny, uh, I really love your show, Pod Chat. Uh, would you consider in your mid-roll, uh, in the mid-roll space, would you run our trailer? And he said yes. So now Danny's doing that. And in exchange, we're shouting him out on social media, and we have a newsletter, and we're featuring him in our newsletter, and we have social media, and yeah, we're doing the whole thing. And these are just the things that we're thinking about. Yes, it's transactional, but ultimately, it is so that we can spread the right content to the right people who might want to hear that content. Cool. Cool. In that last part really makes it worth it for everyone. You're, you and him, Danny, and other people are just trying to get good content to good people's hands and ears. And yeah. The goal, the goal is like, yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you as a creator can recommend to your listeners content that is useful for them, they are not going to hate that. They are going to think, wow, Casey is such a great curator of content. He's giving even more value to me. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Do you, do you see this also as a way to like highlight people that are using Squadcast as well? Yeah. I mean, so this is not a Squadcast project. We are using Squadcast okay. to record it. But the way that we do highlight people on Squadcast, thank you for asking, and we should highlight you. Every episode of the Squadcast podcast is a featured episode of a podcast that's recorded on Squadcast. That's, so you should submit cool. a show. Yeah, that's really cool. It makes a lot of sense because... Yeah pointing and that's kind of like my natural style too is to point to other people um and that might be something that gets in the way of marketing your own show too because you're so constantly trying to promote other people your guests that come on your show it's kind of a different yeah. beast altogether to promote yourself could you talk to me about how you wrangle that yeah i think that self-promotion is really important no one else is going to do it for you unless you reach a certain caliber However, for every piece of self-promo that you put out, I think you should have put out at least five pieces promoting somebody else or something else. I just think that's a good rule of thumb. I've had a lot of success with that. And I don't, you know, I'm not like checking a box. I'm not saying, oh, posted about myself today. Got to post five other things. It sort of comes naturally after time. And, you know, some <laughs> days I'll post three times about myself and other days I'll post 10 times about other people or other things. Um, but if you feel like you need a metric to go by, I feel like one to five is good. So 
say you have a new episode that comes out, um, you should definitely post about it. But also keep in mind that when you are an interview show, you're also promoting somebody else and people need to figure out why that episode is going to be important to them. So I would change up your wording every single time. This is why I'm not the biggest fan of um, social media schedulers because because when you're planning something, a lot of the time you'll be like, this week on the show, this thing happened and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And it sort of becomes rote. It, it becomes the same thing over and over again, sort of like what we were talking about with uh, calls to action on a podcast. I really think what I try to do when I'm promoting the Squadcast podcast, for example, is, you know, sometimes I'll start out the show notes with a quote. Sometimes I'll start it out with a, in this episode, you will find. Sometimes I'll have three bullet points of what you'll get out of this episode. But I'm always changing it up because I have not figured out one way of doing things that is always a hit. And I that's good and that's bad. From a show notes perspective or just anything in general, you're still iterating. I think marketing is a constant iteration. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Huh? I think you're with me on a lot. Yeah. I wanted to disagree with you. Like we started the show like before we hit record, like, <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a debate. You're like, yeah, sure. Casey. Yeah. yeah I'll answer your question. But then, uh, yeah, you've been saying all the right things. I don't know. I'm learning a lot. Uh, okay. So podcast friends sounds like a real pillar of your marketing strategy. Any other biggies that are out there that really promote the hell out of your show? Yeah. Everybody should be aware that a bunch of the podcast listening apps accept pitches. So Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher all have forms that you can fill out to potentially be featured on their apps. They are often looking for something that's newsworthy or that fits in with an upcoming calendar holiday. So for example, ahead of February, Black History Month, one of the curators at Apple Podcasts posted on LinkedIn Oh, and on Twitter saying that they were looking for podcast submissions for Black History Month mm. ahead of um, November, I think it was, or ahead of uh, September 15th to October 15th is uh, National Hispanic Heritage Month in the U.S. And so they were looking for content surrounding that. Um, Spotify, like I said, also has a form. They're not posting so much on social media saying we're looking for X, Y, and Z, but this form is open to the public. And I'm not saying that filling out this form guarantees you a spot in one of their carousels or in one of their, you know, promoted areas, but it is absolutely worth it to be pitching them with content that could potentially be useful for their listeners. And you have to think about it that way. It is, they want people to come to their app because it is the best place to listen to podcasts, right? Apple thinks this, Spotify thinks this, Stitcher thinks this, Pocket Cast thinks this, CastBox, all of them, right? They are all vying for a piece of the pie. So how do they make their apps so exciting for people, they show the most interesting, the most noteworthy, the most newsworthy. They show, they they try to curate the best lists and you can hit them with a list that makes sense for them. So this takes time, but figuring out who are the people who are curating these lists, you can figure that out on LinkedIn. You can get in touch with me and uh, you can book a session with me to talk about these things. And um, ultimately it's about figuring out how to make your show so appealing that it is placed on the homepage of Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, blah, 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 blah. And why do you want to do that? Because I mentioned this before, but social media, it's tough to convert scrollers to listeners. But when people are ready to listen to something, where are they hanging out? They're on the homepage of the Apple podcast. Yeah. They're on the they're on the Apple podcast app. They're on Spotify. They're on Stitcher. They are trying to find something right then and there. And sometimes, yes, they've already locked in on what they want to listen to. They already have their 10 favorite podcasts and they're ready to go. But sometimes they want something else and they're scrolling and your cover art might hit them at the right time. The title of your show might hit them at the right time. And that's why 
your title's got to be great. That's why your cover art's got to be beautiful. And, and it, it can't hurt to fill, to fill the thing out, to submit for a certain topic. Can't hurt. Can't hurt. It doesn't take too long. There are, and the forms have different questions on them. They're not all exactly the same form. Um, for example, Apple gives you the option to submit sample audio. You can definitely do that. Uh, they also give you the option to submit artwork. Mm. Um, and they have, it's an option, right? So if you submit it, they're not saying, yeah, like go pay a graphic designer to make artwork to these specific specifications and we'll definitely select you. They are not saying that. So it is up to you whether, whether or not you want to do that. When I submit, I often do not do that, but I will make a note that says artwork available upon request. Okay. And again, not saying that that means that they're going to request the artwork, but it's sort of up to you how much effort you want to put into this. Maybe you have the perfect episode. Maybe you have somebody coming onto your show who you would love to get more earballs on this episode. And maybe because of that, it is really worth it for you to put everything into this pitch. I got to imagine if it's on the homepage, I mean, you're getting, you're getting discovered by quite a few people. You would think so. It has changed. And there was recently an article that came out in uh, Bloomberg about this. Um, I was featured on Apple for a podcast that I ran about three years ago um, called Counter Programming. It's a show about literally counts and counters and anything with the word counter, counter in the title. I'm not kidding. It was during the pandemic. And I was like, let me make a show that is counter to the COVID-19 grim, like, sad news that's going on. So me and my friend were like, let's call it Counter Programming. So we did episodes on countertops like really marble steel granite and wood benefits disadvantages why you should have these in your kitchen why not then we did an episode on count negroni count dracula your vote counts um really truly it was a weird wild ride but we had a lot of fun with it and we actually recently listened back to it and we were like we're actually still very proud of this <laughs> we got featured <laughs> we got featured on apple's new and noteworthy because what a weird concept That's right? so weird yeah and skyrocket uh, you know, we had 18,000 downloads in a month as opposed to 2000 that we were getting otherwise. And it was good. And it was bad because I mean, it brought us huge numbers It people texted me that hadn't spoken to me in years because they saw my face on the homepage of Apple. <laughs> but then also, you know, it brought people to our feed who were attracted by the cover art, but not necessarily attracted to each episode. So, you know, you're going to find this is why podcast um, friends are great because you are fitting in with content that is similar to yours. And that's why getting featured in apps is great because you are going to be put in front of everybody. Everybody has a chance to listen to you. Some people are not going to like you. They might leave you a three-star rating. Yeah. But you might get some people who do want to stick around and found you and now they love you forever. <laughs> yeah, this reminds me, I, I once interviewed an author who said, we were, we were kind of complaining about that one guy who left the three star and everyone else was like four and five. But he was like, no, no, when you start seeing three stars, it means you've hit the mainstream and now it's people that are beyond your friends and right. they don't know you at all. So they're not going to give you that like token right. five. But yeah, I could see right. how you, you could get a lot of this show sucks. Like, <laughs> Because they just came to check it out. and Well, you know, they just have like ridiculous gripes that you can't control because the internet is the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Marble. Marble hurts the environment. What are you doing? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I'm, this, this is Go crazy. Ahead. I could talk to you all day. Clearly, there's a few things going on in there. I feel like I'm almost talking to like Elon Musk about building a rocket because I feel like there's oh, probably like 32... <laughs> thousand other topics we could chat about but the fact that you're with squadcast 
and we're using it right now. We're basically going crazy and, and doing all of our interviews this month on Squadcast. I want to ask you, like, I mean, short of making the show just an ad for Squadcast because I don't know we're trying it out, like. What makes it so important to get on a platform like this? A lot of people using Zoom or just recording in their basement. Like, what have you seen really make a difference? Audio quality is really, really important. We talked about this a bit at the top of the show, but you need to do everything you possibly can to make sure your show stands out. And if your show has mediocre audio quality, people are going to turn it off, they're going to go to the next thing in their feed. Because their ears don't need to be assaulted by weird internet glitchy sounds that you're going to hear on Zoom. So I am a big fan of the category of remote cloud recording studios. So there's Squadcast, there's Riverside, there's Zencaster, there's Iris, there's Welder, there's Boomcaster. There are a lot. There's CleanFeed. Um, I work for Squadcast. I used Squadcast when I was recording counter-programming, before I worked for the company, I love bringing that up. That's cool. Because it just shows how much I love it. Like, And then I saw that there was a job and I was like, I'm going to apply to this because I really like this company. If you, It's actually great. I, If you listen to the early episodes of counter-programming before I worked at Squadcast, my co-host and I are like, gosh, we're using this tool called Squadcast that is awesome. And then I eventually worked there. It's really adorable, actually. <laughs> um, I... I, I think you need to do everything you can to make sure your show sounds great. And what Squadcast does, what Riverside does, what Zencaster does is they make sure that you are recording locally. You are making sure that you are not recording over the internet connection. So my side of the conversation is being recorded. Your side of the conversation is being recorded. They are being recorded separately. So what the listeners are eventually going to hear is the two of those things mixed together but it's not recording the internet connection. Whereas on Zoom, unless you toggle on a very specific button and make sure that everybody who's involved in the recording does that on their end as well, you're going to have it sound like a robot talking at times when the internet goes out. With Squadcast, it's automatic. So it already sounds great. You definitely have I've definitely had those with, with people. Not since I got my, my 1G gigabyte internet local right across my office hallway here, but Ooh. But you never know. You could have the best internet in the world, but if your guest is on a dial-up modem, it's not going to work. Or even if they're on like a not such great not such audio, great. you know, inter internet situation, you know, it's not going to sound good. Yeah. If you have a delay, it's not going to sound good. You're going to get all sorts of messy audio sounds. I've had and you just don't you don't need that, my friends. No, you don't need you don't. that. Life's too short to record bad audio. That's a good right. quote right there. Put that on a shirt. Put that on a shirt. Uh, TM. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've also had it where people are like eating up their internet. You know, you've got your kids in the other room playing Fortnite or something. Mm. Um, yeah. Talk to me about video though too, because I recently had a chance to, not that it's a good thing, see myself in much more of like a 4K HD than, than the Zoom video. And Man, it's like when you're watching a football game in, in like regular TV and then you see it in HD and you're just like, you're almost there. I, it's just, it is different, but Zoom is not the one that's going to give you that unless you get that enterprise plan. So that's what really, you know, got me really thinking, okay, audio is fantastic. This video thing though, this is great too. Yeah, it is. And video is interesting because you know, you'll no, find that, people on the internet. Is that kind of like a tacit agreement or is that like a about to disagree with me agreement? Well, 
my thought on video is if you're going to go all in on video, it should be great. But, but, uh, you don't necessarily need to record video in order to have a great podcast. Mm. I understand recording it. If you are going to take the time to make it, make it look and sound great in post-production, you're going to upload it. You're, you know, you're going to make sure that it has a little bit more, more going on than just like the two of us sitting side by side. Um, maybe a little bit more, like even just audiogram on top of that, that'll help people just stay a little bit more engaged. Um, but if you don't have time to do that, and if it's worrying you that you need to be recording video just because all the podcast gurus all over the internet tell you you have to, let me relieve you. You don't have to. People are still listening to podcasts for the sake of listening just to audio. That is still, it is still possible to succeed. Still a thing, right? I mean, my I've always had more people listen, like three to five X more people listening than watching on YouTube or anywhere yeah. else. Yeah. And, you know, at the very least, what you can do if you want to record video, but just dip your toe is record the video and then don't upload all of it to YouTube, but take some clips, make some social plat, make some social designs. Yeah. There's a really great website, of course, called um, uh, Headliner is really awesome for audiograms. But then if you want to make videograms, um, I use this program called Recast Studio. It is great and you can format things for all sorts of different shapes and sizes, reels, TikTok. YouTube shorts. Um, you can do Instagram size. You can do Facebook size, Twitter size, all, all the sizes. This has been so awesome. Uh, the time is literally warped by, I've asked you a million things and you've been just super generous with your knowledge. I feel like you opened your brain and then just this wisdom just like spilled out. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, where I need to close up my now. <laughs> They want to be a part of your community. They want to be in contact with you. All that jam. Where do they go? Everything is available. If you go to my website, arielnissenblatt.com, you'll be able to subscribe to my personal newsletter, subscribe to my podcast recommendation newsletter, find out more information about Squadcast, find out more information about Trailer Park, the podcast trailer podcast, find out more information about feedback with earbuds, find out more information about Sounds Profitable, find out more information about podcast taxonomy and more. But I'm also very active on Twitter, like extremely active on Twitter. So if you search for Ari this and that, you will find me. Hell Yeah. Uh, and then final word, <laughs> what's up with Twitter? Is it here to stay? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's changed and it will continue to change, yeah. but it is not dead like people thought it was going to be. Ken, thank you so, so much. Um, I have learned a shit ton here and I really Good. appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. And for those listening, I know you learned something because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. Uh, I'm going to take a while to go through all these things and figure out how to apply them all. But if you learn something, share this thing, tickle that share button with someone else and share this good stuff. That's all. Leave a review with what you learned. Leave a review with what you learned. Listen to that. Um, with that, Ariel, thank you again. Thank you. All right, everyone. This has been crazy. Another episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will catch you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. 
work at it if necessary early and late in season and out of season not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour that which can be done just as well now pt barnum